With my last name, starting with AB, all through school, elementary through high school, I was always going first. So I was always put on the spot to communicate. My high school English teacher, at the end of class, he came to me and said, you're good at this talking thing. I need you to go to a speech tournament this coming Saturday. Prepared to do a speech on karate. I was so nervous, Mitch, that I forgot to put on my special karate pants. Started my speech with a karate kick. I ripped my pants. And it was at that moment I realized how important communication and anxiety can be. Well, that's when it started, and just over the years, I followed that passion. Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast. Mitch Simon, and we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your host on the West Coast. We have another guest today on the West Coast, uh, Mitch Simon. So today our our host, host is me, guest is this handsome gentleman, Matt Abrahams. Who's Matt? Matt is a lecturer. It's a Friday when we're recording this, the end of the Friday. So what's he going to do? Matt Abrahams is a lecturer at the Graduate School of Business at Stanford and a founder and principal at TFTS Communication. He's a well-known regarded strategic communication expert. He's also been wildly successful as a host of a powerful podcast. Now remember this name, Think Fast, Talk Smart. Think Fast, Talk Smart, where he has interviewed experts all across the communication spectrum. Building upon that success, Matt is about to release his second book called Think Faster, Talk Faster. Nope, I got that no, right, didn't, you didn't I? Think Faster, Talk No, I talk didn't. Faster. Damn. All right. Think Fast. So I thought it was, to, again, it's a Friday. Okay. The podcast, Think Fast, Talk Smart. The book. His second book, Think Faster, Talk Smarter. There you go. We're leveling up the thinking fast and the talking smart. We're going. It's only four words. <laughs> only. All right. This book, Think Faster, Talk Smarter, is filled with accessible, digestible best practices and vivid stories from his many years as a teacher, trainer, coach, and all around good guy. So Matt, how are you today? I'm great. When you when you said uh, I was the host, I was ready to go. I do that all the time. I know. Let's just flip the script here. We're good. Probably better host than I am. I don't know sure. about that, but I was ready. <laughs> interview interview yourself. So okay, so just give us a little background. Um, usually, people who write books are passionate about something. Your passion is is obviously communication. And you've made better communication your life's mission. So um, let's start. Let's start. Were you always a great communicator? Uh, I don't know that I would say I was a great communicator. I was always in a position to communicate. So I was raised in a family where it, you had to speak louder and longer to be heard at all. So, so I was uh -huh. used to uh, used to talking a lot. And with my last name starting with A B all through school, elementary through high school. I was always going first. Teachers sometimes get lazy. You know, I always knew where my seat was, front row, 
front of the class. So I was always put on the spot to communicate. You know, the teacher would say, okay, we're going to go around the room and do, and boom, I was the one who had to do it right away. So no choice. Yeah, exactly. No choice. So uh, communication is something that, that has come easy to me, but that doesn't mean that I wasn't nervous about it. I certainly got nervous over time. I've learned to manage that, uh, but it's something that's very important to me for sure. Great. And so when did you, where were you when you decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to just take this on the road and focus my, my life's work towards communications. So this might not be the answer you were looking for, but I, I can tell you, I can tell you. I don't know what I'm looking for. <laughs> okay, well, I can tell you literally to the day, um, I, as a 14-year-old boy in high school, uh, my high school English teacher, on the very first day of class, very first thing we did is he welcomed us to the class and he said, I want to hear what each of you did this past summer. So we each had to stand up and say whatever we did. And of course, being where I sat and with my last name, I went first. At the end of class, he came to me and said, you're good at this talking thing. I need you to go to a speech tournament this coming Saturday. Each teacher had their allotment of speech. <laughs> so uh, I went and I, I, he said, give a speech on something you care about. So uh, back then and still to this day, I, I enjoy doing martial arts. So I, did a, a, I prepared to do a, a speech on karate. I was so nervous, Mitch, that I forgot to put on my special karate pants. You can see where this is going. So I started my speech with a karate kick. I ripped my pants from zipper to belt buckle, big gaping uh, crevasse of a hole in front of my peers, the girl I liked, my friend's parents who were judging the tournament. And it was at that moment, literally at that moment, I realized how important communication and anxiety can be. And I've dedicated my life actually since that point. I've always been fascinated by communication, but literally in that moment when I was exposed in more ways than one to the impact of anxiety on, on communication. That's what, that's when it started. And just over the years, I followed that passion. So you, um, you saved it, huh? You saved it. I pulled you, it out. you were able I, well, to go so with help, with help. So don't say that. Yes. So with help. Yeah. So, um, there, there was a teacher who, who I must've drawn the short straw who was there that day. She was in the room and, you know, only as a high school teacher of freshmen would do was unfazed, threw me her sweater. I wrapped the sweater around my waist, finished the, the remaining nine minutes and 50 seconds of the talk. And I think because the parents who were judging all took pity on me and were just impressed that I finished, I won the thing. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it was the most entertaining. Don't try this at home, people. Yeah, don't. Well, the interesting thing is, Mitch, as a teacher and, and coach of communication skills, um, people tell me what they're afraid of. And I'm like, wait, 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 never as bad as a 14-year-old boy half naked in front of a class of people. That's right. If you can do it, what is like, if I could do it there, I could do it anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That is a great story. I think everyone has a story about how they got to what they're doing. That, that started it. it. It certainly didn't feel great at the time, but I, I look back on it and, and see that it put me in the right on the path that I was meant to be on. Let's put it that way. What do you think holds most people back um, from being great communicators? Well, I think it's what we were just talking about. It, it's anxiety. Most people get nervous in high stakes communication situations, and it, it's quite normal. We don't always talk about it, but I think anxiety or our lack of confidence is really the biggest challenge that many of us face. And the first book I wrote called Speaking Up Without Freaking Out was all about anxiety management. And it was all of the 50 techniques from academic research 
to get better at it. So there are things you can do. And I've, I've done these things that people I coach, people I teach have as well. Okay. So really what separates great communicators from non-great communicators is you're, I guess you're saying everyone has anxiety. Everyone has different levels of anxiety. Great community. So what do great communicators do to, to deal with that anxiety? Well, so two things, and I don't think it's just any great communicators. I think anybody can do these things. So first, it's learning to manage anxiety. I don't think we can ever overcome it, nor do I think we'd want to. Anxiety can actually be helpful. It gives us energy. It helps us focus, tells us what we're doing is important, but we want to manage it so it doesn't manage us. So that's one thing confident communicators do. The other thing that all good communicators do, I think, is they realize that to be effective in communication, we have to be in service of our audience. Many of us think that communication is about broadcasting our points of view, and that's, that's not it. Uh, it's all about helping your audience understand and be moved by and, and informed by what it is you're saying. So good communicators uh, remember and focus their communication on serving their audience, fill it, fulfilling their needs. So managing anxiety, being audience focused, I think are the two biggest steps people can take to be more effective communicators. And are you seeing um, greater levels of anxiety today than before? Uh, that's a great question. And, and I do think so, yes, uh, for a couple reasons. Uh, clearly the pandemic did a number on people when it came to communication. Uh, we were isolated. Uh, we, we had to communicate virtually, which not many people were prepared for. And then when we switched back, people felt very uncomfortable just because we weren't, you know, when being in people's presence has been forever redefined uh, because of the pandemic. So, yeah, so anxiety and I think also technology, not just the virtual communication we did because of the pandemic, but many of us communicate so much through our devices that the actual interactions that we have uh, are, are now different. And so I do think people are a little more anxious than they used to be. I'm seeing that in the, the students I teach and the people I coach. Uh, all the techniques that we relied on before all of this seem to help, but, but I do think there's a level of anxiety that's higher than before. So tell us a little bit about your students, because I imagine your students are the super smart Students out there in the world, the, the future leaders of uh, corporate America, I'm assuming, the f future entrepreneurs, I would assume that how they got into Stanford was they're great communicators. I mean, that's that's what I would I didn't get into Stanford. Uh, maybe it was, I don't know what it was, but uh, I would just assume that you're going to walk in and you're going to have like these you know, everybody who did the valedictorian speech at their graduation. So there are some students like that, certainly, but but most people are nervous and my students are very nervous. They'll report high levels of anxiety in lots of situations. You know, when we talk about the, the, the new book I wrote, it was actually born out of a problem our Stanford MBA students were having. The deans came to me and said, our very bright, educated, eager students are really struggling with that dreaded cold call. I, you probably remember Mitch in school where the professor would look at you and say, what do you think? Ah. Yeah, and you'd have to respond in the moment. And, and our students were, were freaking out. They, they weren't responding or they were, were jumbled and jarbled, garbled when they spoke. So uh, they asked me to, to create a way to help them. And that's what was the genesis of, of the, the new book. But so... To assume that just because somebody is bright and somebody has had great experience uh, does not always mean that they're great communicators. And most of my students and most of the senior leaders I coach wish they could be better. And so uh, there's this there's a desire to improve and all of us can improve. Hey, we're taking a quick break to remind you to support our podcast by hitting the subscribe button 
and leaving us a review. Your feedback means the world to us, and it helps us continue to bring you more engaging and thought-provoking content for leadership and remote work. Okay, so let's talk specifically, because your book is called, we get this right, <laughs> Think Faster, Talk Smarter. Uh, excellent. I got to think faster here. There are many books on communication. This book, like you just said, tackles, I guess you call it extemporaneous speaking. Yeah, I call it spontaneous speaking. It's speaking in the moment. Spontaneous speaking. Okay, speaking in the moment. And I think that petrifies most people. What are um, what are some of the reasons why we're so petrified outside of anxiety? Um, and why is it so hard you know, as I, I'm an improviser and, you know, one of the things we learned about improvisation is, you know, life is improvisation. You're, you're not always going to have, you know, what do, what do you want for dinner? Oh, let me pull out this book and tell me, tell you what I want for dinner. Um, life is full of spontaneous moments. Why are we so bad at this? And, and how do you propose we get better? So first, uh, Mitch, when you and I talked before we got on air, uh, I, I'm so impressed that you do improv. Improv is great. It's a, and, and many of the lessons in improv can help us be better communicators and just better people in general. So I, I think that's a wonderful tool. So to answer your question, beyond anxiety, many of us feel these spontaneous moments where we're asked to speak are, are challenges and, and crucibles and tests that we have to go through. Think about it. So Q&A at the end of a presentation, somebody asks you for their feedback, you make a mistake and you have to correct yourself. You're asked to introduce somebody on the spot. These are all circumstances where we feel incredibly judged and evaluated, and we see it as something that's negative. We, we see it as something that's very challenging. So one of the first and best ways to manage some of this is to reframe the way you see these opportunities. Uh, or see these situations and see them as opportunities. Many of us see them as threats and challenges, which impact our presence. Many of us retreat. We make ourselves small. We we answer in a very short, curt way. We we have a tone that's very harsh and direct because we feel like we're being threatened. And so if we can reframe that and, and see it as an opportunity, an opportunity to connect, to collaborate, to share then all of a sudden it becomes something we look forward to rather than something we dread. So I think the second major reason people get bunched up in these circumstances is, is we see it as a test. So how could we, I like what you said is um, you see it as an opportunity to connect. How would I, in my little brain of mine, how would I transform um, my thinking from, Oh my God, because we all do, you know, when I, when I, have to say something, everyone, you know, everyone's judging me. Everyone's like, you know, has their, you know, not my best interest. How would I go from judgment to this is a way I can really connect with somebody? Like, cause it seems like they're very far apart. They are, they can be, but we can cross the chasm with a few slight shifts in our mindset. So let, let me suggest a few and I'll start with improvisation since, since you know it well. One of the most powerful tools in improvisation, one of the foundational principles of improvisation is this notion of yes and. So when somebody asks you a question, you don't judge, you don't change, you don't redirect, you say yes and, and you move forward. And there's drills that you can do to prepare and open yourself up to saying yes and. Uh, with my students, I borrow an improv game. I learned from some of the improv folks I co-teach some of my classes with. Uh, maybe you've played this game, Mitch. It's called Give a Gift, where one person 
pantomimes giving a gift to the other and the other takes that gift. And there are two acts of spontaneity in this. The person receiving the gift, the imaginary gift, opens it up and says, thank you for the whatever the first thing that comes to mind. So they are embracing the gift. And then the second act of spontaneity comes when the person who gave the gift immediately explains why they got that gift for that person. And when, when, so you can see both people have to say yes and, and, and the power of this, and, and I have my students do it, sometimes the people I coach, and I don't tell them why. I just said, we're going to play this silly little game. And we play the game and everybody is just, what did I give? Why, what, what is it? Or when you open the box, people are like, hey, it's fun to open boxes. And at the end of it, I say, let's take a step back. What if when somebody asked you a question, you approached it the same way you approached giving this fake gift with excitement? with with openness, with with collaboration. When somebody says, oh, I, you got me a puppy, people don't say, I didn't get you a puppy, I got you a kitten. No, they say, of course I got you a puppy, you know, right? So in, in this silly game, we see that we have the capacity to take this a spontaneous interaction and make it one that is collaborative and open and expansive. Now, I realize that the, a silly improv game and your boss quizzing you about a project that's overdue is different, but the mindset can be the same. So the first is a yes and mindset. And then those of your listeners who, who've heard of Carol Dweck's work on growth mindset, one of the things that I love so much about growth mindset is this notion of not yet. So if you have a growth mindset, it's not about I can't, it's just about I'm not ready. Or, or not yet. And if you take a not yet mindset, when you're faced with these spontaneous situations that feel out of your control, rather than saying, I'm a bad person, I don't know what I'm doing, you can say, I'm not ready yet, not yet. And so yes and, not yet. And one more mindset quickly. Uh, in From sports, uh, there, there's this wonderful mindset of next play. So if you're an athlete, and you do something horrifically wrong, it just doesn't go well. You're free throw shooting and you miss the free throw. You're, you're swinging at the plate and you miss the ball. Rather than ruminating and, and uh, torturing yourself over the mistake you've made, rather move immediately to the next play. Take basketball for an example. If you miss a shot and you sit there and ruminate, the other team's halfway down the court and they're gonna make a shot. So you have to move, immediately transition. The same thing applies to our communication. If I mispronounce your name or, or perhaps mispronounce the name of your podcast or your book. Yeah, you go for <laughs> rather, it. Rather than, uh, you know, kicking myself saying, oh my goodness, I couldn't do that. No, because then I miss out on our interaction. So I immediately jump to the next play. And the same thing is true with success, by the way. If you do something amazingly well and you sit there patting yourself on the back, you've missed the next opportunity. So yes and, not yet, next play. If you put those in your communication toolkit, you can change that fear of being judged and evaluated and make it something expansive and fun. Yeah, I like that. So you just basically, again, you just accept what is. And then you have to practice is. it. And then you move yeah. on. That's right. Yeah, it's great. So tell us what's inside this book, which is called Think Faster, Talk Smarter. So the book, the book is really a methodology. And it's that methodology I developed uh, about 10 years ago to help Stanford MBA students. And it it's, has six steps. The, the first four steps are all around what I call mindset. So we've talked a little bit about mindset shift. We have to do a few extra things. We have to listen intently. 
many times in spontaneous speaking situations, we don't really understand what's needed of us. Imagine you're walking out of a meeting and your colleague says, how'd that go? And you immediately click into ask for feedback. I will give you feedback. But if you would have listened more, you might have noticed that your colleague wasn't looking at you when they said it. They were quiet and shy as they said it. And maybe what they were looking for wasn't feedback, but a little bit of support. So you have to really listen intently. And if you wanted support and I give you a whole list of things you did wrong, I'm not helping that situation. So mindset is, is all about managing anxiety. It's taking on those attitudes we talked about. And then finally it's listening. And then the second part of the methodology Two last steps are about messaging. How do we actually structure our messages? Structure is critical to effective spontaneous speaking. And then how do we focus those messages? Because a lot of times people will just ramble their way through spontaneous speaking. We've all seen somebody introduce somebody and go on too long or answer too long. And then the second part of the book, so that's in the first part. The second part takes six specific spontaneous speaking situations and gives advice and guidance on how to get through those, like small talk, apologizing, trying to pitch or persuade somebody in the moment to help them. So the book, it really is from beginning to end, set of tools that are practical and tactical that you can use to help you feel better. It sounds really, really good. So tell us about, tell us about your applying this at Stanford. I'd love to know when your students are done with the course, what are some of the things that they share with you? So we do this as a workshop for all of our first year MBA students. Uh, the MBA program is two years. And so they take it early on, usually the week two or three of their career with us. And what students will tell me is that they feel more comfortable speaking up in class, that they feel more at ease in a lot of the social networking that, that happens early in an, in an academic career as people get to know each other. They feel better at having to introduce themselves and others in front of people. So they take it to heart and, and they find uses for it in many cases in ways I had never envisioned. Uh, some people will say when they're texting a message or they're typing into a Slack, they use some of these same skills. Because if you think about it, that's spontaneous speaking as well. But sometimes it's with emojis or, or acronyms. And as you said, the focus, if you can move out of the focus being on me and the focus being on the other, mm -hmm. you're almost all the way there. Yep. Spoken like a true improv person. It's all about your partner, not you. Yes. It's, it's all about making the other person look good. I know. We, we were on stage last time. We had a lot of fun. You're doing a good job of making me look good. Thank you. Yes. I'm making you look good. So another last question to make you look good is how can people find you so that they can look good? Um, how can they find you? Um, and how can they find your book? Which is Think Faster, Talk Smarter. Excellent. This is great. Repetition is key. Uh, so um, I, I encourage everybody, if, if you like the conversation uh, Mitch and I are having, I, I host a podcast just called Think Fast, Talk Smart. No ERs in that. Uh, we're all over the place. Any place you get your podcast, you can find us. Uh, and then mattabrahams.com has all my books. It has a link to a tremendous number of resources I and others have created around communication. And I am a big user of LinkedIn. So if you're on LinkedIn, happy to connect with you as well. See you on LinkedIn. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. Um, obviously, think faster, talk smarter. We have to have a pretty fast podcast. And this has been pretty, pretty fast, so under 25 minutes. I want to thank you, Matt, for coming out. Um, and I hope that our listeners will look you up, uh, get this book, um, because everyone I know has 
challenges, even those people that are up on stage with me has challenges with making stuff up uh, right at the moment. If you love this episode, please go ahead, share this episode with your friends, your family, your colleagues, anybody you want to talk to really, really fast. We'll see you next time on our next episode of Team Anywhere. Before we sign off for today, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your support helps us grow. And by subscribing, you'll be the first to know when our exciting next episode is available. 